perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbrey is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Hello there, folks, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. I know a good portion of my listeners might not really care about this episode because a lot of you have already watched the town hall and or heard about it from other uh, sources, but I know that there were some folks out there that were interested in this, and I was able to finally pull all of the audio from different sources together And it's not really the best, but I was able to clean it up the best that I could and put it together in one long running from start to finish source here for you to be able to listen. So what this is, is back on February 19th, 2022, the Indiana State Representative from District 33, J.D. Prescott, was putting on a town hall in Randolph County, Indiana, at the 4-H Fairgrounds there in Winchester, Randolph County, Indiana. And it was a pretty large town hall. Now, this town hall meeting was referenced many different bills that he was working on. However... The big bill in question was House Bill 1134. Now, since that town hall meeting, we now know that as we sit here today, House Bill 1134 is dead. The Indiana Republican supermajority did not call it for a second reading on the deadline, which was February 28th, 2022. So as we sit here today, this bill that was causing a lot of this ire and craziness is dead. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't try to jam in language in other bills, in other areas. They won't try to re-energize this bill and bring it back to life in another session or do something that we all know is capable of being done. So it is important that you know what's being said here. The other aspect of this is not really 
what was being said, but that it was being said and who it was being said by. There's a lot of very bizarre things that Representative Prescott says in this town hall. A couple of things to point out. Right off the bat, the first person who starts speaking to JD asking questions after this thing gets started is an older lady who is a former teacher. Matter of fact, she is a former teacher of Mr. Prescott's. And she stands up and she asks questions or, or, or gives some thoughts and, and tells her point of view. And during that, she recounts a conversation that she had with J.D. Prescott's mother when J.D. was in school. And the, the conversation was simply, J.D.'s mother said that she believes only like 30% of parents are actually involved with their children's school lives, which is a really rather sad commentary. It's not negative on J.D. It's not negative on his mother. It's a comment that one parent said to a teacher, and the teacher was talking about this. J.D. apparently was so amped up, he didn't hear what was being said. He got incensed by this. He got mad, and he stormed out of the meeting. Now, unfortunately, there is no video of this. There is a couple pictures floating around on social media of him storming out. And when he stormed out, it was noticed that he was wearing a gun on his side. And some people are upset about that. But he did storm out for a few minutes. And you can actually hear the, the lady ask the question, and you can hear JD say, you know, like, I don't want to talk about my mom. We're not going to talk about my mom. And then, he, then he gets up and you can hear the audience just kind of like talking and kind of laughing and, and wondering. And then the person who's holding the this town hall and, and hosting it walks up and says, you know, we need to try to be civil. And the audience says no one was being uncivil. She was just simply making a statement. And he's like, well, you know, we need I didn't hear what was said, but, you know, I don't know why he did that. And we need to try to be cool. I'm going to go try to coax him back in, but we need to be civil. And again, they said she was not, you know, out of line. And the lady apologizes for it and says, you know, I'm not saying anything negative. I was just recounting a conversation. A few minutes go by and Representative Prescott does come back in and he does proceed to uh, answer more questions then, sometime about 10 to 12 minutes later, he makes his second very big gaffe, in my opinion, when he says that LGBTQ behavior is not normal behavior and should not be normalized. And you can hear the audience kind of gasp. And I want to be very clear, this is an audience in Winchester, Randolph County, which is a very conservative area. And a lot of these folks are conservatives, and they still felt what he was saying was out of line. I certainly feel what he was saying was out of line, and I'm not a gay man, uh, but I am like live and let live. And, and uh, I don't really know what he was doing by saying what he said, other than truly just making an ass of himself. So... Yes, 1134 is dead currently as it sits, as it's there, and we should be happy about that. That being said, 
we need to know about the person who was co-authoring this, and J.D. is a co-author. J.D. believes in what he's saying here. Uh, J.D. is a very poor, very poor state representative. He is not a good public official. He is not a good representative, and he must be defeated in this upcoming election. He does have a primary challenger for the May 3rd, 2022 election. That Republican primary challenger is Brittany Bridges Clower. She is a Republican from Portland, the Jay County area. For those of you that are listening to this, District 33 is made up of all of Randolph County, all of Blackford County, the easternmost townships in Delaware County, the southern four, eight townships of Jay County, and the most northeastern township in Henry County. So District 33 is Blackford County, parts of Jay County, parts of Delaware County, all of Randolph County, and a little sliver of Henry County. So if you live in District 33, you should definitely pay attention to this because this is your representative. If you live outside of that area, you should pay attention to this because this man is down at the State House trying to make laws for you and your children and your neighbors and everyone else. And in my opinion, he needs to go. We do need to do our very best to elect Brittany Bridges Clower to take his seat. We need to let her have a chance to win the primary, and then she will go on to the November 2022 election where she will then take on John uh, Bartlett, who is the Democrat candidate for this position. But I think that Brittany will be a fantastic, fantastic representative she will not be afraid to talk to folks. She will not be afraid to hold town hall meetings. That's why this is important. JD has done everything that he could do to not speak to public, to not speak to the media, to take very few questions. Uh, he wants to control the media at his town halls. He doesn't want things filmed or videoed. If he talks to a group of people, he wants to be able to control how many are there. He wants to make it private. He does not like facing the public, and he doesn't like being put on the record or on the spot. He has a favorite saying where he says, you can email me, which he doesn't respond to, or you can call me. Here is my private cell phone number. And he gives out his cell phone number. And that sounds like, oh, wow, he's being really cool. He's willing to talk to me. But when you really think about that, most people are not going to call him, especially if they disagree with him. Most people are not going to pick up the phone and be like, hey, yeah, I want to talk to you about this. Most people just don't operate that way. They feel better about meeting in a group setting. They feel better about an email. They feel better about social media. And JD just does not do that. He does not want to be put on the spot. He does not like writing things in black and white that will always be there. He was sued because he tried to delete 
constituents off of a campaign slash official page, which he was running incorrectly and blocking people from and deleting comments. And he actually was sued by uh, a citizen, Brandon Clower, and the ACLU, and he had to delete his social media because his, uh, his options were allow everyone or not have your social media. And he said, oh, I would rather not have to have everyone on my page, so I will just delete it. JD picks less communication every time, and that is something that we need to do away with. We need to look to elect folks that are willing to communicate, willing to be transparent, and willing to be held accountable. JD does not like being held accountable. Matter of fact, he does everything that he can to try to stop people from being able to hold him accountable. He is not transparent, and he does not want to communicate. So, in just a few seconds, we'll start this town hall. You'll be able to hear it. I do have a couple things that you need to know about this. This is not the best recording in the world. What you're going to hear is from start to finish the town hall that took place at the Randolph County 4-H Fairgrounds on February the 19th, 2022. It was a Saturday at 9 a.m. This recording is coming from two separate recordings. The first half or first about hour of the recording is from a cell phone audio recorder and the Second half comes from a cell phone in which they were filming, it was actually me, live streaming the event, and we were inside of an all-cement building, and the live feed would cut out periodically. So there are places in here where the audio dips really low, and there are a few places in here where the audio cut out, and I cut out those missing gaps. There are just a few, but they are there. So please don't kill the messenger. The audio is not great, but it is there. If you listen to this with earbuds in, you will be able to hear a good majority of what he is saying, what the crowd is saying. And again, House Bill 1134 right now as as i'm speaking this is dead however jd was the sponsor a co a co-author of this bill he thinks this way and there are other bills he talks about but this is not just about 1134 this is about what this person is like what he thinks who he represents which it's certainly not the citizens of district 33 jd is concerned only with himself and getting the good marks so that he can fix his career and move up in the world. That is all JD is concerned about, holding on to the power, staying elected and getting reelected, and then moving up in the political world. What we need to do as good citizens of Indiana is send him back to his farm and get him out of the state house. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will start the town hall. You are listening to this very special bonus episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Friends, I can tell you as a musician for the last 25 years whose primary instrument is the drum kit that it has taken a lot of hard work, dedication, and years to make myself as proficient as I feel like I am on that instrument today. During that same time, at various points and dozens of times, I have picked up and also then put down the guitar trying to learn enough to impress my friends, maybe impress a girl, play that really cool cover, or maybe try and write my own music. It's just really tough when you don't have the same kind of dedication that I had on the drums. Maybe you don't have the time, but you'd still like to noodle around. Studies show children that play musical instruments do better in math and science. Are you interested in starting them out early? Are you interested in making a little bit of beautiful noise that doesn't annoy everyone and relieves stress? Well, let me tell you, there is an invention just for you. It's called Bob McNally's Strumstick. Strumstick was invented by Bob McNally. It's a three-stringed musical instrument. It's especially for beginners, but everyone will enjoy it. I have one, and it is a blast. Because of the tuning and the way the frets are spaced, there are effectively no wrong notes. The Strumstick is designed to play in just one key instead of all 12. Look, if you know what that means, you're a musician, and you'll love this thing. If you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter, because you will love this thing. You really need to check it out. Go to strumstick.com and check out Bob McNally's Strumstick. You will not be disappointed. All right, folks, we are back. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is Perception is Reality. This is a special bonus episode. You are going to be listening to the recorded town hall meeting of District 33 State Representative J.D. Prescott recorded on Saturday, February 19th, 2022, in just a few moments. I do want to let you all know that this is a bonus episode. I do release regular weekly episodes on every Tuesday, and you can find those along with all of the older episodes on all major podcast hosting sites. I do want to ask, if you're new to the show, that you check out those regular episodes. Please help spread the word, tell a friend, share the show with everyone you know. We can be found literally everywhere by searching for us by name on the podcast hosting site, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. You can also search us on Google that way or simply Google us by the name Bilbrey Podcast. We'll pull right up. Or you can visit us at the home link, which is perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm. Check us out there. And then lastly, don't forget to check me out on social media on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey 318. There I release live commentary video episodes Sunday through Thursday at either 8.35 or 9.35 p.m. All right, check the 
those out, share the show with everyone you know, and without further delay, let's take a listen to this absolutely horrible town hall meeting put on by Representative J.D. Prescott. Here we go. Let's go ahead and get things fired off. Normally, we don't have the attendance we do, so to up that, we figured that we <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and start by standing and moving your caps. Separately elected general assemblies, and then it would be on the ballot. Uh, passed overwhelmingly 
it's not going to be an easy one. House Bill um, 1040, uh, which I know is thing, which are the, the concepts behind that into, uh, into House Bill 1134. That's what comes down to just simply parental transparency, making sure that we are keeping uh, the distant concepts out of the classroom, keeping um, in some schools we have inappropriate uh, material, material, type material in the classrooms. Um, doesn't actually say CRT, but I mean that's what it is. It's keeping the CRT out of the classroom so it's not listed in the and some concepts that were in uh, House Bill 1134 is passed out. That's really what's driving that. Keeping that out of the schools, keeping the politicalization out of the schools, schools and get them, so that, that's simply what the goals of, of 1134 are. And, uh, 1134 uh, is in the Senate Education Committee, and I actually, to a group of teachers that I that talked to yesterday at Randolph Central, I actually did misspeak. They did, they did accept the amendment in committee, uh, they, they have not voted out committee. So when you go on the, when you go online, it still says, um, it's still a House pass version because it's not going to show up the change until the committee reports adopted. It could be amended again in committee. It's still in committee, so it hasn't passed all the way out. So that, uh, so the Senate is still um, still working on it. I have not actually uh, had a chance to watch all of the Senate committee testimony yet, so I do want to uh, to review all of that testimony in the Senate over the weekend and walk through all of the changes in a little bit more detail and see what changes are coming up that have been changed in the Senate as, as well and we'll continue to work through the process. Uh, this is COVID-19 um, vaccine protections. This doesn't make a big part for me in that one. Uh, it also has language to the governor's ask that his list of uh, recommended items to end the state of emergency are in that as well. Um, on the COVID-19 protections, and, and I'm going to go by as it passed the House, I know there's been some discussion in the Senate as well on it, but uh, we simply have a religious exemption and if a religious exemption is submitted in writing, it must be accepted. Uh, it also provides for medical exemptions and also weekly testing uh, for COVID. So, so if you don't want to get, if you don't have either exemption, but you're willing to be able to take the COVID test uh, weekly, then, then you would have to get the vaccine as well. So I've heard from a lot of a lot of employees um, and I've heard from a lot in the district. I've heard from a lot uh, as a whole. Thank you. 
those uh, cost of welcome carry that passed out of the house as well, constitutional carry, uh, and it is being discussed in the Senate as well. Uh, house Bill 1002, um, sorry, Mr. Ways and Means Committee, the uh, House Budgeting Committee, it will uh, repeat or will cut the state's income tax from 3.23% to 3% um, over the next few years. And then it will also eliminate the 30% floor for business personal property on remote equipment. Uh, it, that, that's not going to really uh, be affected until um, a few years out, uh, five to six years out, roughly. Um, and then on the old equipment, it's actually a tax credit, so, so it's not going to affect local units of government on their funding. It is a uh, so instead of repealing it completely, so, so on 30% board for old equipment, you'll actually still pay that to the local unit of government, and it'll end up being a tax credit back on your state income taxes. Um, so that's how, how that's going to work. Um, those are some of the major bills that are moving through the process, um, but with everybody here to help us, go ahead and go straight to questions. So how is that not? 
members, if we have, we're paying very good money, what I feel like, for administrators, if parents can call the school any day of the week, be served on committees, then how is there a need for a bill that takes control over that? And if Republicans are for limited government, why are we not allowing our government, our elected officials, to do their jobs? And parents have the right to come in. And as your mom once told me, that only about 30% of parents truly care about their education. I don't blame my mom, so let's not. No, she said it to me. deciding what's inappropriate. Does he want to wear my hat and my chair him up? <laughs> like the little lost kid at the security stand. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe in my food. I can call some for kids. And I know there's much more. So don't you let somebody hear it. He didn't have rats here to protect him today. He was looking for excuses. That wasn't disrespectful to his mother in any way. No. I knew it was going to be fun. I everything but a white car. He knew it was going to be fun. This was going to be I told him he missed it. He knew he was going to walk back in. If Chris forgets to he's gone, he walks back in. Look how far we're into this. Did you get it? Yeah, I'm recording it. Are you crazy? 
Oh man, now you got all my stuff. Yeah. I'm stressing this around. Yeah. I don't think so. That just is angry. It's sad. You shamed one lady. Don't you agree? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So what happens if he's at a high hot bath topic in the house in the Senate? We gonna walk out and forfeit our well, forfeit and, our boat? And is he deciding what's inappropriate? Because then we're all screwed. Right. Okay, just to clarify, public forum, try not to dominate the conversation. Everybody has the right to speak and ask a question. That's fine. What's the time limit on that interaction? Well, we got several people here. How about three minutes? First off, I apologize for walking out. Do not bring my family into this discussion. Do not talk about. I'm fair game to answer any question that's going through the legislative process. Fair game to ask any question about myself, uh, about my involvement on these bills or my work. But do not bring my family into this. Prohibit schools and school employees from having to affirm, adopt, adhere to, or be trained 
and a divisive concept to further prohibit school or school employees from doing the same to students provides that a divisive concepts include any that any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, national origin, political affiliation, and is, is inherently superior or inferior to another sex, race, religion, etc. That an individual by virtue of their characteristics is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressed, whether consciously or unconsciously. That an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partially because of their characteristics. That a member of any group should not attempt to treat others without respect because of the characteristics of the group. And that an individual's moral character is necessarily determined by the characteristics or by the, by the characteristics that an individual bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by members with particular characteristics that uh, or traits such as hard work ethic or racist, sexist, or were created by one group or oppressed one group to oppress another. Those, those are the concepts in the bill, and that is what is uh, kind of defining and capturing the CRT. I'd like to know who exactly gets to determine what is inappropriate material. Well, on the, uh, with the curriculum advisory committee, it would be the parents that would, that, and, the, and the teachers are part of that group that are reviewing that. But the Senate has stricken that and said that the school systems can set up an advisory committee if requested. It's not part of the, the bill anymore. So who determines if a school system doesn't set up this advisory committee well, who determines what's inappropriate? The school board will be responsible for, and is still, even with, even whether the advisory committee is in there or not, the school board is still, at the end of the day, responsible for determining what curriculum is in the school. Uh, if it goes against the this concept, it would be a complaint process that would start through the local school corporation, work its way up, and the, the, the very last step in, in the process would be the Department of Education. Okay, so what's a divisive concept, please? And that's my last question. I just read the from the House Passers and Bill A. Knesset Gumphrey. I think we should be, uh, those are 
discussions that should be had with the parent not being pushed upon a kid at school? It's not pushed upon the school. It's being normalized in the school and it's not normal behavior. <laughs> I want to make it very clear. I will say exactly what I said at Randolph Eastern Schools. When it comes to, there is two genders, male and female. End of discussion. Okay? All of a sudden, that's not normal behavior. So lesbians don't claim to be women, which is one of the two genders. Make sure they feel safe. You can, you can still teach and treat them as human beings. But you don't need to be involved. Those are discussions that should be had with a parent, not the school. But saying that these, that this behavior isn't normal and these students are not normal, does that do you think that would make them feel safe? Having a bill that implies that? I'm not telling you not to tell these kids they're not normal. I'm just saying it's not your place to say. I'm, I'm saying my opinion is that's not normal behavior. You just said it out loud. I just said that my opinion is that it's not normal behavior. I don't think you should be pushing that bias or by, or by normalizing that in classroom. Well, I think the so there's politics over the Constitution. No. No, it's just politics over people. Because no matter what your sexual preference is or your gender identity is, American is American. I mean, under the Constitution of the United States of America, American is an American, regardless of their sex, mm -hmm. their gender, or their sexual preference. In the story. No politics. religion in that list ban those types of books it literally puts the or the it doesn't ban the, like the books normalizing the lgbtq but what it does is it gives like parents from the curriculum committee have access to that to view that to see is that appropriate or not it's going to be up to the schools to decide whether that's going to be in the school or not but it, it gives more access and clarity to parents
that are appointed to that curriculum review committee, they would, they would be able to be reviewing that and see what's appropriate to be in the, in the, in the library, what's not, what's not appropriate. This is, this is not my answer for that. It's my favorite phone book, and I have questions or concerns about it, can I not already email teachers, principals, administrators, go in, review the book, and decide if that's appropriate? If it's not deemed appropriate by the school employees, then it can be removed? You could do that. I'd say locally here, that would happen in most cases, but there are definitely schools around the state that have not taken action and not uh, follow the, the discretion and the will of the, of the parents, and that's why this is really not be dealt with in the city space. We're making sure that when well, we, we create state law, that's what we're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like this goes bigger than just this. 
immediate uh, necessary attention. Um, if it's, obviously, we do not want to have any child being abused. We want to make sure that, uh, that this bill would not prevent uh, educators from reporting abuse whatsoever. They can't. They're mandated reporters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to report. Yeah. It does stop us from recurring conversations and discussions about abuse, right? I'm uh, running for District 26 State Senate. Nice to meet you all. Nice to see you all. I do CASA for the, the county of Randolph County. This is a huge issue, um, but I want to start by saying that we in CASA, especially me, I appreciate my teachers. You guys are the first line of defense on, de on uh, anything that's going on at home that we don't know about. You guys are the ones our students run to. I have more conversations with teachers about my CASA kid than I do usually their own parent. And that is because those teachers are seeing that kid almost 40 hours a week when we were in school. And they were the frontline defense to saving our children. Now, I don't know if you all know, but the state of Indiana has a thing called preservation of the family for DCS. It was done to, cost, to cut costs in money. Our children should never be cut costs and money to save the state money. And the rule is if there's an addict in the house and there's one clean person in the house, we cannot remove a child right now due to state statute. I think that's ridiculous. We're gonna lose our children. They're gonna grow up to be menace to society at no fault of their own because we can't even get in and, and get the therapy they need for this because it's $113 a day stipend for all these families. We all know how much it costs for a therapist. They don't even cover the therapy for the kid, much less help the family that had fell on their knees. Why are we trying to knock them down to the floor? We need to uplift these people. We need to uplift our schools. We need positivity everywhere. And when it comes to that, I want these people to understand a little bit about that. So my question is, this is my question is then, who makes these decisions at the school board level but yet, if a parent comes in and they talk to the school board level, we get told it was horseplay, because I have experienced that at Randolph Eastern School. So how do we do that? Who's the, 
Who is the person who makes that decision when somebody grabs someone's testicles if that's horseplay? Because I think that's beyond horseplay. That's my, that's my time. Thank you. It was. Straight to the state. This isn't crushing you, JD. I'm not, this, that, that has nothing to do with you. But if we really want to talk about protecting our children, we need to really look through the a window instead of the eye hole.
ultimately it's still the school board that has to approve the curriculum, its recommendations, its reviewing. By having those parents on there and having that high percentage of parents, I think it also helps uh, show, highlight uh, the teachers that are doing a great job with that curriculum material that they're reviewing that good. It instills confidence in those parents so that when they're looking at that material, what, how that's uh, being used in the classroom. So. I, I see it as, as more just parental involvement, making sure that the parents feel part of the process, uh, seeing what information is being being taught to their kids, what material is being used with their kids. I think that's that's the point of that. Uh, on the um, second, um, I'm sorry, could you repeat the second question? I kind of got it. Yeah, my second question was really where, um Where's the time going to come from for us to do this? Is it going to be during the school day so our students lose out, or is it going to be after school where our children and our families lose out? Be up to teacher prep times during after. I mean, there's other times that. We're going to build a year of course. Next year, I have five courses, maybe six, and I have 43 minutes a day to prep for all these classes. Well, I'm just saying between. The options you added that there's it'd be up to the teacher to figure out where, where you're going to put that in, in the time frame so i mean it's I, I can't tell you exactly how you're gonna uh, okay so good, on, good luck finding oh, 60 right. hours I, 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 just don't, I just don't know where the time is going to come from okay let me, point of, let, let, let me get back to the main let me get back to the main question though because you also talked about where it was at the you're not having to put all the lesson plans on that was the original bill. It, it is not all lesson plans. It's it's essentially a syllabus with bibliographic information. So the material, so, uh, all the material that you're planning on using um, for the upcoming year. If you deviate from that, you do not have to do anything differently unless a parent requests information. So say, say you you put your put your syllabus together, all the material on the portal that you plan on using for the year. And uh, Tuesday afternoon, you discover um, this article or uh, a video or any yes, kind of this. material that's pertinent to the discussion for the next Make day. So you use that the next day. No if there is no parent that yeah. reaches out to you with any concern, you just move on like normal. You don't change a thing. If, uh, if a parent requests, okay, what Johnny came home and he was, talking about, he was talking about this video that we seen in school. What is this? What were what, what we're talking about in the world? It just has to be made available within 30 days of Connor West. That's it. I don't think you realize though, this bill is not And it's unpaid. We're aware of, as you said yesterday, to prepare all of that to turn in by July 1st. 
couple of bills being being worked on. I'm not directly working on these, but one of them uh, is giving flexibility on getting teachers into the classroom. Uh, I think it'd be easier for uh, higher adjunct teachers as
So you've got two here. I'm not a teacher, not a teacher but I have had conversations with teachers that will not show up to these things to face a fear of retribution because of a teacher's union. Okay, first of all, before we get started on the teacher's union, because I know where this is going, I am part of the teacher's union, and I can guarantee you that we're not bullying people. It's not the local teacher's union. But that's what we're talking about here. This is a local situation. And I keep hearing this, that you say people won't show up to this, but I don't see that, and I'm in a school. I'm in a church where I had conversations with teachers about this particular bill. They said they were in favor of it, but will not show up to this particular situation because of fear of God. So what was the question for Dizzy? I just asked where his constituents were to support him. They're out there. (laughs) So I'm not going to tell you exactly where where they're at here for a lot of the same reasons Jason said. But you know what? If I'm wrong about this, I'll find out. (laughs) I'm reelected over two years. If I'm wrong, I'll find out. But I believe I'm I'm taking the right stand. So it is what it is. So along the lines of parent support, I've been in education 28 years, and the amount of parental support that we get now is vastly different than when I first started. And I, you know, when we first started doing book adoptions way back when, we would have parents volunteer to do it. And I just don't, when we have parent-teacher conferences, I might have two parents come in and they're not the ones that need to at the high school level. And I really feel like we're going to be hard pressed to get anybody volunteering to do this on the advisory committee. You know, we, we probably all had parental support growing up. I was the one parent that read through every syllabus my kid brought home. But you don't have that anymore. I also want to make two statements. If there's a curriculum, yes, parents can see that. That's something that can be shown. But other information, there's a word for it. I don't, don't, I can't remember. The other uh, material brought into schools, parents do not have to be shown that material. So I don't think people are aware of that. The other thing I want to say, I don't have a lot of trust in a lot of this going to the Senate because Purple for Parents have addressed five Senate members on a lot of this stuff going on in schools. And she brought in very pornographic material that we're being taught in some of these schools. Let's say all schools are all different levels. But the Senate would not allow it because they said it was obscene. And she's like, well, this is what's being taught in our school. Well, I'm sorry, we can't see that. That's obscene. So we can't show this on the Senate floor, but yet we're showing this to our children. So I don't have a lot of trust. Well, they passed uh, Senate Bill 17 that had the pornography and obscenity sex language in it as a standalone. <coughs> so they did pass that one under the schools right now. Uh, and that's the same language that's in the WISLA, the WISLA 1134 when it left the House, sent to the Senate. Um, and some of those examples are right here. Can we have just a, a specific example of the pornographic material? That, I mean, we're very perplexed. I have never heard anything about pornographic material being shown in classes. 
I'm, I'm not going to pass all around with you on the phone here and take a look at it again. Go ahead. Peggy, I am a constituent and I have grandkids in Becky's school. All six of my grandkids are in that school corporation. And three of them have come home from social studies class and said, one of them was very upset because the teacher told them that they did not have to respect veterans. <clears throat> and it happened. And then one of the others said, Grandma, we never realized that people in our school had different colored skin until our teacher pointed it out to us. So this is what critical race theory is about. I don't think anything that they passed will solve the problem because the discussion can be twisted however it wants. And it was at Union City, so. Did you call the school? No, they wouldn't listen to me, I'm a grandparent. Well, so that, I am JD's constituent and I do that. I'm not, that sounds like a conversation that the parent needs to have with the school, not that the, the entire Indiana state government needs to cram down everybody's throat. Would this not be pandering to a perceived Republican base that's saying, we don't want this, but on the national level, this is a big story, so it's cool for the quote-unquote Republican supermajority to try to jam this down everyone's throat. As a conservative, I would rather have the discussions with the school rather than JD telling me and telling everyone else that this is the way this has to be. Can we not just call this what this is? I mean, I think we need to just be honest. If you're, if you're saying that there is a silent majority out in the world someplace that are hiding under rocks because they're afraid of retribution okay that's fine so you're pandering to those folks correct no I'm doing what's right you're what I said no I'm doing what's right so if if you're doing what's right wouldn't you want to go on a on a speaking tour bringing this out I mean how many how many times have you spoke to the constituents in your district and in your changing district now how, how frequently have you spoke to those people in an open room where you allow media and you allow folks to be there i mean you seem to have really controlled the environments in which you speak in okay Where you say that uh, no teachers have ever come with any issue. Uh, 
That's not what I said with StarCraft. That's not what I said with StarCraft. I did what I did, did not print what I said. Okay, so, okay, so we okay. And we had that conversation in the past, so. Yeah. 
That's just a little different subject. Um, are you for or against abortion? I do not agree with abortion whatsoever. Um, so can I ask why you voted against um, Jacobs and Isley's bill? That was to end all abortion? I did not vote against their bill. You did? No, they I never have a screenshot them. of everybody's vote. No, they've never brought a bill before. You went against never. it. Okay, it, it was amended. They proposed it and you went against it. No, I have not voted against an amendment. I got a screenshot. I voted against an amendment, but they have not had a bill, or they have not had an amendment to end all abortion. They were pushing for it, and you voted against it. Let me put it that way. No, that is absolutely factually incorrect. That's true. The one you voted for was more of a regulation of abortion, but you don't even want to regulate abortion if you're against it. Just end it. I want to do all I can to save as many babies as I can. These are innocent children. I, I completely agree. I do not agree with abortion whatsoever. Anybody that knows me knows that I that I am totally against abortion. So for you to even say that I am not pro-life, to even question that, I, that's just appalling. But. No, it's not. She's just asking you a question. You don't have to like the questions asked. Quit saying things are appalling just because you don't like what's being asked. That's ludicrous. Next question. Yeah, I would say on the day call, I'm American. I voted Thank you. 
Dave, uh, Dave Winkensoffer, one of Randolph County Council, and part of the Indiana Association of County Council's Legislative Committee. Uh, can you explain in detail uh, House Bill 1002, the personal property tax, and will it affect Randolph County losing funding? So, on the elimination uh, of the 30% board for the old Last I was aware of is the uh, 
the funding, the funding mechanism may be in place through the state and federal government. And, and that would be a great, great asset because it's, they'll probably be three or $400,000 for Randolph County. And what that does that people don't know is that they'll have a capability of printing a ballot off, or of printing a receipt off from how you voted. So it, it, it's a, a good thing, but again, it's a good I have five Senate bills on here with uh, Senator Rocks uh, that we need to discuss before Tuesday. I, I'm not sure you're aware of most of them. You can go ahead and bring them up. We're short on Senate bills now, so if you want to read that, my mind. Well, Senate bills have a second thing. Huh? Yeah, 37 seconds. Senate bill 361, the most important one, is to create uh, innovation development districts in the state of Indiana where they would come in and say this area is going to be a, 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 a district and they're going to basically take over control of that district where currently we have a public districts, uh, tax increment financing districts that we do that for locally and our group is opposed to that because it loses local control. That's what it does. That one's being discussed in ways and means currently. And I believe it's on the doctor, actually. Okay. The other one is Senate Bill 120, distribution of revenue for public safety purposes. Um, that's, that's where any township or any city or town can come into the county and say, we want part of that money. Uh, actually, the cities and towns currently have public safety funds, but the townships and fire uh, we're stretched right now uh, public safety funds uh, there wouldn't be any room for somebody to come in and ask for additional funding from our funding to what could happen so can you talk a little bit about the prison seal yeah so it's through the house and the senate being discussed in the senate so uh does does away for the requirement for the indiana handgun um license being licensed to carry a handgun um, would be being allowed to carry without that license. That still leaves the licensing structure in place. Um, <coughs> that uh, is for the for us prosty uh, in other states. So so you can still use your license to go to Ohio or other states that accepts the handgun license. Doesn't that bill say you have to be 21 for the not have a license? You do not believe that you should be held responsible for the actions of other legislators, correct? You should only be held accountable for your own actions and your own votes and your own thoughts, correct? And the way that you conduct yourself. Is House Bill 1134 not, off your own words you just said, punishing a majority of teachers for the actions of a few? It's not? Okay. It's trying to find a delicate balance between making sure that parents have access to the information that they, they're requesting, making sure that uh, uh, we're properly educating our, our children, making sure that um, the right, the distant concepts are not being promoted in the classroom, but at the same time, uh, not being overly burdensome to the educators. And it is a very difficult balance to find. And, um, and that's that's the balance that it's trying to create. So no, it's not. We're not trying to just uh, 
trust thing. That's not the intent. The intent is to try to find that balance. Um, Judy, the comedy is people who are people that don't work with maybe don't understand this. How many sources do you think during this? I'm sure there's a lot. I don't have to. Just make a guess. I, I, I can't give you a guess on that one. Are you hearing educators saying that this is overly burdensome? Are you hearing us saying that this bill is? Well, yeah, I think from the discussions that we've had uh, throughout this process to the testimony, that's the bills change, and we've, we've been listening to feedback and changing the bills, so we're trying to find that balance. So, so yeah, the bill that's why bills changed in multiple phases because we're trying to find that balance. We're, we're, we're still listening. Still Can you imagine that forty-four yesterday? And we are. The bill is still working its way through the process. We're looking at everything that we're trying to find that balance. So you can clear any way since, as contributed to this company, that we want both consumer goods through our elected leadership and our higher profession. And there's all these things already available. Is there any way that you could hear everyone and pull this bill? I am looking at the Senate changes over the weekend. I'm going to listen to all the testimony in the Senate. I am going to uh, review the, make sure that the bill is still capturing uh, the intent without being overburdened. But I will continue to work its way through the process. I'm not going to commit one way or another at this time. It's, it's a work in progress that bills, uh, bills sometimes do not make it all the way through the process for years. Sometimes they never come back. Sometimes it takes multiple years for them to work. So I will continue to work on it and do the right thing. Uh, what, what I do is the right thing for the district, for the students, and I will continue to try to find that balance. Especially the back Another concern and then a question. My concern is that, well, you know, we're not attracting a lot of people to the education profession anyway. And I'm afraid just more and more tasks for teachers, responsibility um, to be held accountable for. I think you're just going to burn out the quality teachers that are already in the profession where it's not enjoyable to them anymore and they're not fulfilled anymore. So they're going to leave the profession. And I'm really worried about. Not if I had to go out and find another job because teaching isn't fulfilling to me anymore, or I can't do what my passion is. But I'm actually worried about my kids having quality teachers when they get into the public education system. So that's my concern about just more and more tasks. I can tell you on our professional development days at school, we don't have one professional development day where I get to focus on my content area. It's all about um, trainings that we need uh, that are required by the state, um, suicide prevention. Um, a whole gambit of things that's not even related to Spanish, which is what we teach. So I don't create anything new for my students or get to focus on anything for the 100 kids that I teach at Minerva Central. My question is, what are the main amendments that have been made from the House bill that's posted online to what's going to the Senate? So this is the changes uh, from the Senate, and I'm actually referring to, sorry, I'm referring to the notes of the Senate. Senator Rogers, uh, 
removes a requirement for educators to post a list of learning materials and instead provides transparency by ensuring parents have access to their school's learning management system and allows parents to review any other learning material used in the child's classroom upon request. Uh, does not require school districts to have curriculum advisory committees but creates a pathway for parents to request the school, uh, the school board to adopt one. Uh, removes the complaint process from 1134 and requires school districts to adopt their own complaint process. Um, removes language from the bill about the lawsuits violations of the bill instead allows parents to appeal the Indiana Department of Education and take administrative action for a violation if they remain unsatisfied after following the school's grievance process. Uh, removes the section about material harmful to minors and section explicit, explicit material. Obviously, you wouldn't name those people, but could you give a guesstimate of how many? Uh, I, I don't know how many around. I mean, just I know, I know. I'm not saying like you have to say 27 and a half. I'm not putting you down to an exact amount. I'm saying, can you give an estimate? That's what that word means. Can you say 30, 70, 200? Uh, just an estimate. I mean, just quickly in your mind, just think. Not a large number. Ten. <laughs> yeah, she will. Yeah. I don't think you want to roll the dice on that. <laughs> uh, and 
1134 will impact the teachers that we have available. I have three personal children in Randolph County, two of them that are current public school students, and one who is at Purdue who will graduate in December to be a teacher. Do I believe that that is the best fit for him? Absolutely. He has the personality to be a teacher, but I'm telling you, the kids in college are not coming back to be teachers. They're not going to stay in Indiana if these are the types of things that are going to be expected of them. But I think you really have to think about what you're doing with public education right now and how you're going to support teachers because we can't hire teachers. Like, there are none to hire. And it's a real problem. And if we're pushing 1134 and things such as that, we are going to struggle even more. Sure, you have a but I didn't use the public school system for my children. I chose to homeschool Christian school. But I want to tell you right now, if we don't get these problems solved or get an answer to this, you're driving kids right into their own education system. At our church, we currently have 35 kids in our schools. <coughs> but we also have curriculum that anybody that wants to homeschool Christian school wants to start up. We got K through 12. We got it all. We got it all right there. If you want to come in, we'll set you up. We are so busy. Talk about work, shortage of help. We can't find enough people to come in to help us get the material out because of what's going on in our school system. We better think about this. I'm getting involved in, in, our, in our school district. In our, in our public school because I feel like I've got something I can add to it. There's other, all kinds of other alternatives, but we better figure out as a group, as a community, how we can come together <coughs> and meet everybody's needs. I, I'm one of your supporters. I support you 100%. I'm not saying this, all this education stuff because I haven't paid a lot of attention to it. But it sounds like to me, I don't care what the teachers have to say. There needs to be some more work done. There needs to be a come together where we can work in this out. There is areas going on in the public school. I had my granddaughter last year come to me. She did the Union City School and say, Apple, my teacher turned on the TV and said, we're going to see what's going on in the news. He turned on CNN, President Trump at the time was on. And he shut it off and said, I'm going to explain to you what racism is. And he continued in school to, that's what we're talking about. This happens. Fortunately, that bad apple for me. You can't. I don't want any TV on. I don't want no opinion on political stuff. That should not be in So I just want to put my two cents in that we better come together and find out a way where we can all come together and meet all the needs. May not be what we want, but at least, let's know, it's always, it's all about the kids. Sometimes it don't sound like it's all about the kids. It's all about what I have to do. It's gotta be about the kids. That's it. Oh, another, let me finish up. I just did the figures. We got 35 kids in our school. 
that $6,500 a kid, that's $227,000 that's not going to the public education because of the mess that seems like the soil's mess. They've had it. How many times, how many kids can you lose out of your school system <coughs> where it starts affecting your funding? We've got to get it. We've got to get it together. Representative Prescott, I just wanted to first say that I do appreciate how accessible that you've been. I know we've had a lot of conversations lately, and um, so the amendments, the change of language, like that is noted and appreciated. Um, also, we appreciate your no vote to 1107 um, for a conversation for a different day. But I guess hearing all of these folks speak, and, uh, and again, I know you and I have had these conversations, the labor shortage is real. Not disagreeing that every everybody's hiring right now, right? But the teaching profession, students have to be supervised. They have to be educated. And they're, for all of these reasons, we are in fact hurting. We, we are, um, we're growing the uh, teacher shortage. So I guess my question to you is, what can we do? What legislation can we work on that is going to lift the education profession so that we can try to solve this? Um, because this will have unintended consequences. There's no question. What can we do to fix it? Because I'd like to just ask for your help in that. Give me some help. Give me some ideas. Send me ideas as to how we can, can address uh, some of these, these problems. And, uh, my email is h33 at iga.in.gov. And my cell phone number for anyone who wants it is 765-546-2656. And I'm always open for discussions and how and, and to try and improve. I know Kate, we, we've worked on some things on, on some of the issues that we've talked about. We haven't, we haven't gotten there on, on trying to get the right, right bill on one of the topics that we, we've worked on, but on other issues we've been able to, uh, been able to find, find the right place. Um, so, so I'm, I'm always open for input. Uh, I'm always open to suggestions, and, and I'll hear any concern. Uh, wouldn't this be better to go into summer study committee and give the legislators more time to listen to these teachers and get some of their ideas? More than what you've had the opportunity probably to do on, in session. I mean, there's a lot of things that go to summer study.
So they didn't do that. But it, regardless, it was handled in your district area locally, as it should have been. And then again, um, as I was going to mention this earlier, when you mentioned about prior school, I was going to talk about this earlier, but um, parents are being because they do have options, like private school or homeschool, if that's what they would choose to do. So how the, why do we need this bill when parents already have that? Well, not to mention the control that we've already told you they have to come to us at any time anyway in the public schools. So why do they need, why do we need control from the state when they have more control when they already have that control as parents? We need to make sure that we are providing the best education possible to all uh, students, including the public school students. So I don't want to do away with public schools by any means. That's where 90% of the students are at. So we want to make sure that they're taking care of all of those students. Private schools are in every area, uh, in every county, in every, in every area. So um, just, uh, it takes a little bit more work on some instances to, to get a kid to private school if you say you're uh, in an area that doesn't have one closer accessible. So um, we are, we want, we want to make sure we're providing the best education possible to all of our public school students. And so I think if you don't want to you know, get rid of public schools, so can you talk a little bit about Hospital 1077? About the school referendum budgets? doesn't have anything to do with this part of it. Thank you. 
to what I already said. The people that's coming in wanting the curriculum to, to homeschool or scripture school, every almost everyone I can tell you, they are dissatisfied with what's going on in public school. Now, think about those are the parents that are involved in your education. These are the kids that you really want to keep in. They're role models. That's why I think I can I I got some things I can add to help you've got to understand if you start losing all these kids or not all of them any of them you've got some of your best kids to eat. I, I just want to add to that like this room I know most of these educators in the room like these are some of the finest educators you'll find um, and so I do I do understand that folks have choice and, and so I hear your point I just Really, be, this goes back to the other conversation of, we serve all students, all students, no matter what need they come to us with, no matter, and, and that does paint a different picture. Um, and public schools are held to certain things that uh, restrict some of the freedoms, even if we wanted to change. So I, I guess I just point out that if we're not comparing apples to apples. Did you need to leave? I was going to say, if there's any more, I've got a few more minutes. Like, anybody, you have a little boy's birthday party you need to get to, so. Uh, but if there's a couple more questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Go ahead, Sean. Um, you were quoted in the Star Press and you started saying, when I look at Republicans or Democrats, I think you can tell the difference between financial responsibility and moral character in some cases. Are you inferring that Republicans are financially responsible for that? Now, um, that was a question, um, that, was, that was a response to a question in uh, elections committee on bill that I was presenting, and I can file say that was worded horribly on my part, and it did not come out the way I intended for it to. Was that corrected? Yeah, yeah, it's up, I'm going to On issues of moral importance, I think you can look at the Republican platform and the Democrat platform, I'm just speaking as a whole, the national platform. And you can, on, uh, and there's different moral priorities on, on, on issues of moral importance, there's different priorities on where they, where, where they rank, I guess is what I was getting at. So I'm not saying that one party has character, one party doesn't, that's not, what I'm, I'm just saying on the moral issues, there's a difference in, in opinion. Um, and, and obviously when it comes to uh, uh, issues, of, I mean, Republicans tend to be a little bit more conservative with the budget, and uh, the Democrats and politics tend to be a little bit more loose with the spending, especially on, uh, on different different programs and such. But that, that's the that was where I was going out with that. It came out horribly. Um, to be honest, I, I could have worded that a lot better. And you know, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I'm not the most uh, I'm definitely not the most polished politician. <laughs> I'm not a Somebody referred to me as a smooth talker one day and said, Well, if you know me, I'm not a smooth talker. So that's not the case. I'm just a blunt, honest, blunt, honest person. And what? And some, sometimes things come out wrong, and that's, that's one of those things that just came out wrong. Go ahead. Um, I have a question. Last, uh, within the last year, they kind of changed how, like, if you want to run for a lot of political positions, you have to have voted in two primaries in the same 
whether it's Republican or Democrat. I hear there's a push for it on the school board. Are you for that narrow window of getting on the school board following that same policy? It was in the bill that uh, I presented in education, or not education, the elections committee. Uh, it would be the same same process to, to run as a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, it would be the same two previous two voting records process. I supported that when it went across the House and just in general terms of being uh, having a two primary voting record to run for a particular party. There is the ability to get approval from a counter from a party chair to sign off. <laughs> Just to have to show that there's a track record in history of someone's running for the party that they, they truly represent versus just walking back. I guess my question about that would be why I, I, I don't know that I'm for that is because you have Republicans who are Republican or in, in the office, but they're decoding the party. They're not actually be acting like a Republican or acting like a Democrat. So what really determines this? Just because they ran into primary doesn't mean that's actually what they're going to abide by. I'd say there's a very broad spectrum from no uh, matter which political party you're talking about, from uh, on views, not every Republican thinks alike, but, um, but there is a specific party platform that you agree with, and you can say the same thing about Democrats. I don't want to get Democrats in the club, but there is a specific platform that they have as a whole. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there are. So why two vote, not one vote? I mean, why why vote one primary versus two primaries? What's the difference? It just shows more of a track record or history. This is the main is the main part. But, but I'd say there's a broad spectrum of uh, between between opinions. <laughs> That was J.D. Prescott, District 33 State Representative, in a town hall meeting recorded on two different recording sources. I apologize that the audio was as bad as it was, but something is better than nothing. There were folks that wanted a chance to hear that. I hope you listened to it through headphones. You were able to hear it a little bit better if you did. That is that. I'm not going to drag this out any further. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask that you do check out the regular episodes, which are generally about 45 to 50, 55 minutes long. Sometimes they might reach an hour, hour and 10 minutes. They're never this long, 
Please share the show with everyone you know, and I hope to see you back on Tuesdays at your favorite podcast hosting site. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Christopher H. Bilberry, for Perception is Reality. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day, whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening from. Take care. God bless. I will talk to you all again real soon. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.